This week on the Documentary Review Podcast, Jonathan and I start a tribute band to our hometown, shout out Marengo, as we discuss the 2014 documentary Spanish Lake. Welcome to the podcast, I'm PT. I'm Jonathan, glad you can join us. Indeed, glad. Uh, How's it going, Jonathan? Good. Life's good. Uh, living the dream out in Colorado. It's been a beautiful week. Had a couple of days in the 70s. So, yeah. yeah. It's in the, I don't know if it was reached 70 today or if it was in the high 60s, but we were definitely playing outside in our t shirts and playing frisbee and stuff. It was fun. Sweet. Nice, nice weather. Um, and speaking of nice, man, we've, we've been crowned as, as basically by Apple as new and notable, which you could really argue with both those those things i think i'm not sure if we're technically not new are we notable i don't know but but uh it's pretty cool because that's like the that's like the thing that all when all podcasts are launching they're trying to get on that new and notable list so so when we're on the toity toity that's it thank you uh thank you very much apple i i I think it's mostly because of the size of my hands i don't know if that's (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. His fingers are looking a little stubby at the webcam. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. All right. Well, should we talk about this documentary? Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, kick around some Spanish Lake. All right. Let's do it. Tell us. Give us the pad. If this is your first time listening, Jonathan, I don't want to oversell it, but he gives the best <laughs> synopses in the business. He's going to give us the the, the one minute version. Okay, well, thanks for the build-up. It's going to be a tough one on this documentary, but uh, Spanish Lake uh, covers the town of Spanish Lake in Missouri and kind of gives the history of it, and the it plays off as uh, determining how race played into the town and its demise, essentially. It, it's a town that um, has certainly fallen on hard times, uh, and it gives a history of the town itself mostly is told by residents of the town through, you know, really low-key interviews, a very low-budget uh, documentary, but a bit of a personal look uh, by the people of the town and kind of tries to, t- tries to tie itself into uh, motives of race and, and what caused this demise of Spanish Lake. Cool. Good, good synopses. Um, did you like this documentary, Jonathan? I did not. I, I sensed a little negativity in your 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 synopsis there. Yeah, you you and and I'll throw out anyone uh, any of our new listeners. We always do this at the beginning, determine whether we liked it or not. Because at one point, PT and I uh, went through a whole podcast and didn't realize we we're on <laughs> opposite sides of the coin till the end. But so anyhow, so PT, did you like this one? I liked it a lot. Yeah, I really uh, gave big thumbs up to this one to me. Really? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad. I'm we, really surprised that we got a disagreement here yeah i think like this is my definitely my preferred like my favorite just about my favorite style of documentary which is like taking a really complicated issue and um just just letting people talk about it trying not to put like too huge of a, a spin on it but kind of just letting letting people talk and uh and kind of seeing where it goes it reminded me a little bit of the uh good old um into the abyss the uh 
the Werner Herzog uh, documentary that we watched kind of about the death penalty, but this one was about race. And, and I mean, it definitely adds to the, uh, with all the stuff that's been going on in this area late, uh, you know, six months ago or whatever, this is like, just like eight miles from Ferguson and, and all the stuff that went on there. So definitely like that adds a little gravitas to it as well, but yeah, that was my take. So I'm super interested in, in knowing what you didn't, didn't like about it. Yeah. Well, one, <clears throat> I'm obviously not opposed to the style um, because like you, I loved Into the Abyss. I thought that was an amazing documentary. This one just, it, it just left me the, the whole time. It just kind of like left me hanging. Like it didn't, it didn't quite get there. It didn't quite, I, I felt like it didn't hit quite the right angles uh, from the town. Like it, it starts off with a bunch of like the original ish residents. Um, and and I, I guess maybe I should keep in mind, it was obviously a really low budget documentary, but um, which they did a good job for, for a low budget. But uh, the, I wish from the get go, they would have had some different perspectives. Cause it, again, they tried to kind of play it off as a racial, or at least like in the marketing they, as a race related documentary. I would like to have seen some of the, the first you know, African-American uh, families that moved to Spanish Lake because they mention them in, at different parts. Like the whole uh, documentary follows a timeline. Um, and they could very easily, they were like, oh yeah, there are all these uh, families that moved in. They were accepted to the community. They talk about them like the early on uh, African-American residents in in this town. And then eventually things, things turn, they change uh, through... A series of outside forces and that part of it was interesting to me um, because they built the projects in st louis and eventually when they tore them down they essentially displaced all these people that were low-income people and spanish lake was unfortunate enough to be unincorporated so they could just be like Psh, unincorporated no zoning laws boom we want to build a bunch of low-income housing and do that right um, that was, by the way, that was one thing I really like liked about the documentary. That was like, it made me laugh because, like, I was, you know, they definitely had that like kind of uh, uh, Midwestern, like almost like Tea Party kind of attitude of like less government. We can't have any government regulations. That's really what kind of screwed them over. Not that I think like you know keeping black people out is a great usage of government, <laughs> but I'm saying that, like you know that it's just funny that they the thing they hated was the very thing that right that there was their demise. That's pretty. Yeah. pretty funny but it, again like yeah like that that was the thing too where um you know i don't think that this was particularly a race issue um i mean like not to say that there were you know these were the most progressive people on planet earth but um but like especially when they laid it out and they were like oh, okay you know you've got an infrastructure that supports x amount of people and all of a sudden you double the populace of you know of school children so you don't, you literally don't have enough teachers, classrooms, or books to support the need there. You know, obviously things are going to go wrong. I mean, I don't care if everyone's like upper class, you know, white people or a total interracial mix or low class. I mean, like you can't just throw, you can't just, you know, without planning ahead, just double the population of anywhere and just think like, oh yeah, well, we're just going to have twice as many people live there. Forget about the infrastructure of, of the whole area. It'll work out. No, it won't. <laughs> right. Yeah, but I mean, there's, I don't, I don't know. I, I definitely disagree with that just because the, like, I don't know. The whole interesting part to me was the whole, the whole thing basically of like the, 
people leaving was like, it's like a really super interesting thing. And like the, um, such a, such a tough and complicated issue. Like the, the, it, and I don't, you know, I don't think you can say it's not about race, just because the many, many racist things that were said by people, like, you know, there people being like, Hey, you know, me and all my neighbors made a, a, a vow not to sell to any black people or whatever. And like, Oh, the, um, you know, it definitely was a, white versus black thing like i mean if you look at it more or closely it's probably uh just as much of a you know economics thing than, than that but but it, i i agree i agree that obviously there's you know some racial issues in in the town for sure but i i think it could have been it if it would have happened in a more natural manner i i don't think those same issues would have been there you know, I think it would have been like, a, you know, a couple, you know, a couple different races of people would have moved into the town. And yeah, there probably would have been some people that have been jerks about it and other people that would have accepted them. And over time, I, I think that's how, you know, you get those those interracial mixes and, and it works. Um, I think it doesn't work if you just are like, you know, over an incredibly small period of time you throw in an entire race of people. And, it, and in this case, it was the impoverished. You know what I mean? They weren't, it wasn't like a bunch of black doctors moved into the neighborhood and they were like, oh, these guys are cool. It was like, okay, these people are all already had a generation of essentially neglect. You know, they're in the projects in St. Louis that were neglected altogether. Uh, you know, th these people had everything against them for a generation and then you displaced them. Then you tore down the one place they had to live. And then you're just like, go wherever. And of course, like that's just, you know, an ill-equipped community to, to go in anywhere. And, and yeah, I mean like if had they been white, I mean, I guess it would have been different. Yes. Race was part of the problem, but I think the bigger problem was the, the displacement of people that were ill-prepared to, for their, their environment. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but this is, you know, this is not like a one isolated kind of thing. I think this is just like an example of, of in, you know, recent American history, how it's been very hard for black people to like get out of poverty stricken areas because when they, when they do go to a new area, um, you know, white people leave and then property values drop and then, you know, uh, people who are, you know, poorer move in and then suddenly that's a crap area too, you know. It's a, right. a pretty, you know, it's just a phenomenon that makes it tough to to change your circumstances for a lot of black people, I think. Yeah, I, I, I think that that is a, a tough thing to change. But, um, you know, like I, I thought there would be more of a smoking gun in this. Like, uh, like just, just going into it, I thought there was going to be like, you know, some black families moved into the neighborhood and then boom, like, you know, people are losing their minds and they're selling their homes. And it didn't really seem like it was like that. Right. Because I mean, it, I, and it was a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy for sure. There was an element of that and, and there was an element of race. But, um, you know, when, you know, when you, t like, it didn't seem like people were really like leaving, leaving until things did get bad. I mean, they sure there were, I'm sure there were people again, I'm sure there were like some really racist people that were like, yeah, you know, an African-American family moved into our neighborhood. Boom. We're selling our house moving. 
but it didn't seem like that was the case, you know, like, cause they do go for, through like a really pretty long timeline. Do this. Well, I mean, I guess technically they started like 1900 or 1890 right. or something like that, but they fast forward pretty quickly all the way up to like, again, that that's like the key turning point because the town started to have, you know, it's kind of, it kind of started off as a, uh, a farming community, more or less, uh, certainly predominantly white. I think it was like 99% white and 1% black. And then it, then it started to shift really quickly, but it wasn't until those projects were torn down and builders started building all out in the surrounding communities. And they didn't just build homes, they built low income housing, you know what I mean? Apartment complexes and they started to do section eight vouchers. So it wasn't like they were just picking random samplings of, of the African-American community. They were flat out moving people from projects into a different area. So that's, I mean, that's, that's the interesting, like really complicated issue to me that I think is this kind of raises like, what do you do with, with, with really poor people? You know, how, what's the, how do you, how do you help them? You know, do you, do you stick them all on a project and say, Oh, well, you know, what's the, what's the best way? And they're like, I don't think there's what I liked about the documentary is they weren't like, Oh, here's just like a, answer to that or anything they're just like oh here's an example of something that was tried and the way it went basically horribly wrong for a variety of reasons and there was no easy answer or anything like that um so i really appreciated that i guess in the documentary yeah (laughs) one thing that turned me off on the documentary right away which I, i i don't think was the case by the end of it but it totally turned me off when i first started watching it was they were like they started talking about like the concentration of African-Americans in St. Louis, specifically in the projects or whatever. And like, and I think before they even got to that point, they were just talking about like, whatever the, and they use these like, this like black mobile ink blob or whatever, where it really made me feel like the guy that was making the documentary <laughs> was like saying like, this is like the horrible bad spot or whatever. And like, right. and, and like just the graphics they use and the tone they did use it in too really was i was like man it seems like the dude making the documentary it's pretty racist dude My, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't take it like that at all i, I take it took it to, to mean like that was how he perceived that the community side you know i i did too by the end of it i didn't i didn't get that same vibe from by by the very end but um but that was that was kind of how it, it struck me right off the bat so you know like that did it totally it just like turned me off to begin with so i was kind of fighting an uphill battle on this one uh yeah, I don't know. It... The uh, yeah, like one one um, one thing that I, another thing I really compliment the, the the documentary maker on was like he so so like they got a lot of interviews at like basically just this big like reunion of people who used to live in the town and they're like hey we gotta <laughs> get back together and hang out because we moved out of our town or whatever. Man, he got some, those those people to just like be completely open in front of the camera. And like there was a couple times you could be like, I don't know. the people were like, I don't know if I should say this or whatever. But then they went ahead and said it and you could tell as it got going, they just kept loosened up more and just kept saying more and more racist stuff. So holy cow, like I can't believe that you got these people to like say that this on camera, which um, I think is actually like a really good thing because, you know, these are, this is the way I think we all have like, probably family, you know, like the, this, this semi-racist older family members who are like, say stuff like that, you know, in, in the family, at the family table that they wouldn't say in front of a camera. So I think it's good to, you know, shed the light on that kind of stuff. And, sure. Uh, but we're, and I'm just amazed that he got the people to say that stuff on camera. 
what were, what were your shocking things? Like, what were the kind of things that, like, what, what sticks out in your mind that you were like, wow, I can't believe they just said that? <laughs> uh, what was with, when the, uh, like, a lot of it was, like, any time they were trying to, like, defend the fact that they were not racist. <laughs> that was, like, oh, it was always so telling. But when, like, when they were interviewing the band and the, the one, the one layer was like, yeah, up until, like, sixth grade, we, we only had, uh, you know, this one black kid in our class, Joe, or whatever his name was. And you know what? He was cool as hell. And then the other guy was like, yeah, he had to be. He better be. <laughs> I was like, oh, nice. Um, that lie just said a lot. I was like, yeah, that's, that's probably the view that this town had of black people. Like, yeah, as long as they're completely polite and, you know, subservient, they're cool. Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh there's there's a lot of stuff like those two chicks who were friends that were well like they that. were they, they were the poster childs for like yeah <laughs> we're, we're pretty we're pretty white trash racist i mean right i mean right. they were yeah they're definitely saying a lot of stuff um i should have read down some of this stuff. i don't remember too much of it but in in the like more like not flat out saying it but definitely implying a lot of racism was that one couple who were like basically said that they were like the first the first ones out or whatever those were the ones who were like shot like in profile you could yeah tell like wanted to say it a certain way and all that stuff yeah you could tell and she was like uh you could tell she was very type a she you know she was a very well-kept woman for her age i'm sure right and her parties are lovely <laughs> uh yeah and she was like oh yeah well just you know events occurred and we could see the writing was on the wall and we wanted to move out of the area and we did so. And then pretty much everyone else followed us shortly thereafter. <laughs> like, like that was pretty thinly veiled, like the writing was out the wall. Yeah. Uh, but I mean like, but you can interpret it in two ways. Cause one, they were correct. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, they, they foresaw a decline in the community and made off while they, you know, could sell their home for a high dollar or whatever and move up to, you know, quote unquote better community. I mean, like technically, in hindsight, they're they're totally right. I mean, you can say that's a self fulfilling prophecy, but I mean, whether you're, you know, just a realist or a racist, you could have that same opinion. Um, totally, and that's and that's that is something that I that I like about this documentary is like like I said, that's that's the whole thing of like it's not like a very easy answer to that. Like, yeah, it's pretty racist that everyone moved out, but also, yeah, like I mean, you're right in a certain way they were kind of correct. This is a really complicated issue. Like, there's no easy easy answer it's almost like there's just a force happening and i don't know right right and i you know i think i, I think what you, you adhered to like the the most interesting issues to me were like how government plays a role in society um because you know because again to start off with like even you know even if you rewind and forget about spanish lake for a minute i mean like projects were a horrible failure I mean, but 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 again, it's kind of one of those things where it's like the road to hell is you know paved with good intentions. It's like low low cost low cost housing for people that need it. Can't argue that. That's great. It's a great concept. That's helping you know people in in our community and society and and country out. That's you know uh, uh, us coming together and like trying to help everybody out so they can have a good place to live. It's a great idea. But it's horribly executed by public housing it didn't work at all um you know it created horrible environments and obviously like tons of issues with it so you know we know that's not the answer um i guess we're still learning hopefully we'll find a better solution right uh, if you if you have one i've heard that the um 
the Republican Party is like desperately looking for someone with good ideas to come in and save them. So if you, you got anything right now, you can pitch yourself as a candidate for president. Ooh, interesting. Well, one, I don't want the job uh, or anything close to it. Uh, although I would take it if it kept Trump out of office. Try to <laughs> try to lay off politics to this. But um, no, I would think that uh, the, the real answer to and it's not that it'll never sell in politics because it's a real answer and it, it, it can't ha- happen overnight. Like the beauty of projects is you can build a building essentially overnight, you know, in a very short amount of time. Uh, it pays a bunch of construction workers. It, it, it is an immediate influx of funds and theoretically it, it could have worked. So you can sell that idea in politics. The real answer is focus money on uh, education for everyone, especially the underprivileged. You know, people in the lower class and lower income brackets. Um, you know, that that's the real answer. If you can do real life education, you know, not not only good schools, but good job training, good trade schools, maybe uh, instead of giving vouchers for living, give vouchers for, you know, real life associates degrees, a real life like training program so that and not just education in how to, you know, weld or some, you know, skilled trade but how to um how to manage finance how to how to get yourself out of the projects how to design a strategy for success things that you don't get taught if you grow up in a project you know what i mean that those are things that no one is like no one's teaching you and if you if no one's teaching you and you don't have access to that information then you're not going to beat that system so you know it'd be a long-term plan of of setting up education for lower income people. And I think that's always going to be the, the answer to rising yourself up from, from an improper situation. I like it. I'll vote for you. Okay. Sweet. I'm, I'm in, I'm in for that long term theory. I could just see how, how far that'll get you in, in presidential politics. Like, right. People would be like, it would take 38 years. <laughs> right. It begins to show any, in, in one short generation, <laughs> Our country is going to be amazing. I will be well out of office, and you guys will be—you you won't even hate me anymore. I'll be completely forgotten. But this—but at that point in time, you're going to be like, "Man, that guy, right on!" Like things are much better now. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you can't sell it in politics. That's the problem. Yeah. Um, one criticism I did have though of this, and like I didn't feel like it was that as low budget as as you as you uh, do. Like I mean. It certainly wasn't like huge budget, but I didn't like you know like a low budget feel from it. I was like, oh, this is about an average, average budget of a documentary that we watch. But um, one criticism I do have of it though is like the musical choices I think are really poor. Like especially when they were doing the interviews, like it seemed like there's always like ominous music playing when people were talking. Like I was like, all right, didn't like the musical choices. Okay, yeah, they didn't stand out to me. So and I also. Yeah, I should not do this too. I also had to watch this documentary in three settings. So All I right. just didn't have a, a blocked out hour and a half or whatever this week. So right. I had to do it in little, little chunks. Maybe that detracted from my enjoyment <laughs> of it. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's a, another thing I liked is this just, just had some, some great uh, interview subjects like. The guy, I don't know if you remember the guy with the stick who was just really angry. Yeah, kept, like just totally. the stick. That guy was <laughs> that guy was so angry. I was like, wow, this guy is really, really angry. And he was had a stick and he was waving it around. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I think maybe like, I just didn't like those choices. Like I didn't like the fact that like, you know, I, I wanted somebody to come in and be like, well, here's an idea or here's like, (laughs) here's my thoughts on the subject or anything, you know, but everybody was just like, Oh, you know, like told little anecdotes about, you know, growing up Spanish lakes here and there. Right. Um, Never seemed to, nobody had anything that was profound or won any anywhere. Um, And, and like, I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it it didn't shock me at all that, like, like when you were when you were saying, you know, some of the subjects said things, and you're like, I can't believe they said that on camera. Like, it didn't shock me at all. Like, when you had those two girls that were, you know, essentially lower class, and 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 yeah, I guess I'm a big jerk too because I look down on them to to a degree. Right. And of course, they said the things I thought they would say when they were like, yeah, you know, our family was like, you know, promise not to sell the blacks. But then we did. And, you know, like, I was right. like, yeah, you know, and they were talking about like how they got in fistfights in school with different kids and girls. And the one girl got beat up. And the police came in to get her and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah. OK, keep talking because you're just reinforcing every <laughs> everything I thought about you. But. Right, right. Um, and, and it didn't surprise me they said that on film. I'm sure they looked back and they were like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Glad to be on. I, I guarantee it. They had all their friends over and like, yeah, here's the part that we're on Spanish Lake, you know. It's on Netflix. Oh, this is so cool. Where obviously, you know. Yeah, like another, another one that I was just like, oh, man. It's like the, the, one, the one girl who, uh, who was like, you know what? We like totally faced, like I understand, like, the black people have had hard times, but I totally, we totally faced racism too. Uh, like I got called white girl. I got called, <laughs> I got called cracker. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> that was like a big examples of like how the terrible racism she's faced in her life is that she was called a white girl and cracker. Right. Well, I mean like, uh, you know, yeah. Okay. So there's not so much there, but like, you know, she was the minority cl- at, at that time. Finally, because she's one of the younger subjects. Technical. You, you still there, PT? Yeah, you're breaking up, but I. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, no, I was just saying she was. I think, if I remember correctly, she was one of the younger, like, uh, interviewed subjects. So, the, and there was a there was a point when, um, you know, they keep uh, they keep throwing up like stats every decade during the documentary about like the um, percentages of, of of race in the town. And it very quickly goes from, you know, 99 to 1, 99%, you know, white to to 1% African-American to quickly jumps to, you know, whatever, 55%, you know, in the the matter of 20 years, you know, African-American and 45% white. And I think it keeps going past then, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the final numbers were, but. Right. So, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, I obviously, okay, yeah, no you know, Caucasian person can really play the race card ever, but you know, it was, I'm sure a rough environment anyway, by the time she got there. Sure. Yes. Does she know the plight of being an African American in the United States? No, she did not. Um, But (laughs) right. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I just, I just thought like the, like just the tenor of like everyone's tone from those, like from the couple stand on a profile to like your white trash people, like just, I don't know. That's like, 
in a, and you know, maybe they did a billion interviews and these were like, you know, the 20 that they picked, but it was like, it's just like the undercurrent of racism through every, every single interview. It seemed like to me. Uh, yeah. I, you know, yeah, I, I suppose so. I guess I didn't, I mean, like, I, maybe it's just cause I like to look at people in a, in a, in a good light through rose colored glasses or whatever, but I, I would like to think had the cha- the circumstances been slightly different, that those same people would have been, you, you know, could have had an interracial community at this point. You know, they wouldn't have moved and left their homes. Again, I, th- I think if it would have been a gradual, natural transition, you know what I mean? We're just like, people moved into the neighborhood from time to time. You know, you get one, you know, like, like when they were, because th- everybody kind of mentions the first you know, black families in town. No, there was no mass ex- exodus from from all the white people. Um, and then, oh, you know, it, it, I I think if that progression would have continued, you know what I mean? Those the African American families that moved in would have had relatives or friends or family move into town as well. You know, I'm not saying like racism would disappear overnight, but eventually, you know, you you get a bunch of good people living together. They're going to get along and they're going to see past color. I just believe that about people. But the problem occurs when you're like, you're not just getting a bunch of, you know, random samples of the populace, you know, good people, bad people. I mean, like any race, any creed, you're going to find people that are really cool, really helpful, awesome neighbors. You're going to find people that are dicks, you know, that are just natural jerks. You're going to find, you know, people of every type. And when we all blend together, and I think that would have worked there too, except all of a sudden there's a huge, huge influx. And like, and there was real things then at that point, like when they showed the police, you know, the, the video where they've got violence and shootings in these, in these um, section eight housing complexes, not saying that everyone there was bad, but there was certainly, that's a real bad element. Sure. I doubt they had murders in Spanish lakes prior to that. And that's when you have that little, that's where you get that generational jump is when, you've got, you know, you have an older generation that might actually, you know, truly be racist. And then you have that next fledgling generation. The older generation isn't pushing racism. And that young generation is open to the idea of like civil rights and equality and all that. And then you get that cool neighbor and they start to know some people and they get to start to know more and more people. And they're like, okay, cool. Yeah. Civil rights are are awesome. And, and you know, there's no need for racism. But all of a sudden, instead of that, you get this concentration again of, of low income people of, of, you know, impoverished people. And then you have violence and then it reinforces that idea. It, it swings it back the other way. Um, I don't know. I just think that was like, and that was artificial in this case, you know, it, it, it ruined it for everyone, if you will. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, that's, that's kind of what I like about this is there's no easy answers, but, and like I told, I get what you're saying, but I mean, the whole white flight thing is like a very common thing that's happened a lot in our nation's history. It's not just like <laughs> this is one isolated incident. And maybe True. there's been maybe there's been a lot of this kind, you know, these kinds of situations that have crept up. I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah. Again, I guess I've never, I, you know, I haven't studied it enough. Probably like I haven't like I mean, this is probably one of the, you know. Like the, especially for like a case study, like to actually see what went down, not just to say like all the white flight stuff I know about is like 
like I just stereotype in my mind like they're a bunch of white people and they're afraid of black people and then when black person moves in all the white people run away you know what I mean that's that's essentially the you know when I was growing up and we studied this in school that that's what went through my mind that's how right. and it certainly wasn't like that in this case study sure yeah and I think this this does a good job like presenting that it's like a it's a complicated thing. Like I know in, in my, this definitely happened in my grandma's neighborhood where she was like, <laughs> was like the last white person living in her, in her neighborhood in Springfield, Illinois. And she, she eventually moved out like just like maybe five or 10 years ago. Um, but yeah. And she would always talk about how, Oh yeah, it used to be, it used to be all white here. And then slowly they just started moving in. And what? <laughs> that, that sounds like such a grandma thing to say. <laughs> yep. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, so at the end, I thought it was cool. I like the way it ended too. The document documentarian who did a pretty good job of like staying, keeping himself out of it for the most part throughout the whole thing. At the end, he kind of comes in and is like, "Yeah, let's go," and then kind of reveals that one of the people, the the uh, black people he's been talk, interviewing, is like living in his old home now and his um his made a nice home of it and stuff like that. So it's a nice little like kind of hopeful ending that hey. Maybe everything doesn't have to be bad in the end. Maybe we can turn this around. Right. I get, yeah, I did I did like the ending. Um, you know, again, like, and maybe that's where, maybe, like, I, I still think, I still perceive this as, like, an ultra-low-budget documentary. Like, I think he, I think he went out there for one day, essentially, and interviewed everybody, like, obviously that was all the, all the interviews that took place on that Laker party or whatever. Right. Um, it was one day, you know, he just showed up there and like with the camera and was like, I'm making a documentary and people gave, you know, and then maybe another day in town. Cause he, you know, he didn't seem, it seemed like it all happened in a day or two, which indicated a pretty low budget to me. And then, uh, yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Like just as far as like, like if you look at, to me, when I think low budget, I think of like, like that tiny documentary, which was like not only a fairly, you like, you could kind of tell in the skill of the documentarian that, you know, it was like, this is just a dude making a movie with a camera. Whereas this guy, I was like, all right, this guy like knows how to make a documentary. He's telling a good, he's telling the story and doing it in a good way. Uh, obviously, it didn't work, <laughs> work as well for you, but no, but, no, it uh, didn't. <laughs> but, but yeah, it seemed, seemed definitely to me like he knew what he was doing. Um, and he's got a super interesting filmography. I looked at him on, on the Internet Movie Database, and he was, oh, really? he worked on <laughs> the movie Battleship. It was like his, <laughs> his, his other credit. Uh, he worked on that, and then he he's directed like some um, like comedy specials. Basically. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, I did get the, the sense that he was, like, especially at the end where he's like, yeah, I went to California for a while, and then it, like, whatever i found out there was this thing and i flew back with the documentary film crew i was like well obviously he has some ties to film and video you know right. some kind of production ties because most people wouldn't just think like oh yeah i gotta grab a documentary crew which is essentially a super cool way of saying a guy with a camera and a microphone <laughs> right uh, <laughs> but you know i mean i whatever i give you credit it's he did he did pull it off and, and make it but right i don't know um Final thing I was I was reading about uh, after this is I guess like when all the this was meant was gonna be hitting hitting St. Louis theaters like right when all the like Ferguson stuff was going on like six months ago or whatever that was 
Um, and like all the, all the theaters pulled it out and didn't show it. So like, sure. That makes sense. I mean, <laughs> like we don't need <laughs> these, these, uh, this, this, this would show. have been good pretty much any other time, but not so much right now. <laughs> right. Like we don't, we get, let's keep the, the riots contained to St. Louis. We don't need people going to Spanish Lake. And <laughs> right. So yeah, there you go. All right. How many stars do you give this bad boy at Jotham? I'm going to give it two. I want to give it just under the halfway mark. Yeah, you're giving it less than, than, uh, than the secret. It's hurting my heart here. Um, I'm going to give it, I'm like between four and four and a half on this. I think. Wow, you really liked it. Okay. Yeah, I liked it better than, than Amy, I think, that we watched last week. So I guess uh, I'll go four and a half on it because I think I gave that four. Okay. So there you go. Biggest, maybe our biggest divide yet. I think so. I think that's our biggest difference. Nice. The next time you say five, I'm going one just to spread it out even further. Um, all right. Should we talk about what we're going to watch next week here? Yeah. Lay it on me. Right. No worries. I got you. Um, okay. Uh, what I want to do now is I want to take a look at three situations that we know familiar with these situations but i want to watch a documentary about one of them to get a little deeper dive into maybe a little some things we don't know about the situation possibly so the first one is stop at nothing the lance armstrong story so uh an athlete dupes the world with this tale of miraculous recovery from cancer becoming a sports hero and a beacon of hope but can he outpace the truth my guess is no. No, we cannot. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take a crazy, crazy stab at that one too. So you're <laughs> right. <laughs> um, the next one is hot coffee. Uh, this documentary examines the so-called hot coffee lawsuit in which a woman sued McDonald's after she spilled her coffee and burned herself. Okay. So I remember hearing. Gosh, we had to be pretty young when that happened. Because I remember like hearing hearing about that like when we were kids, wasn't it? That was a long time. Ago. Yeah, we were pretty young when that when that because that did happen. I mean, there was a woman right. yeah. that did. Yeah. So, and it did. You know, was it? It that did change everything, didn't it? Anyway, I won't. Yeah. Uh, the final one. I'm not too confident you'll pick this one, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. This is the '85 Bears. Revisit the glory days of pro football in Chicago when the 1985 Bears transcended their gridiron dominance and became a nation, national cultural phenomenon. So there this, you go. Those are your three choices. Now, I know, like, I know you didn't think I'd pick Bears or don't think I'll pick Bears because you know I'm not a sports guy. That is the one sports memory of my lifetime that I look back fondly upon because I, I did live in the Chicagoland area during 1985, during the Bears season, during the Super Bowl shuffle, and I do remember how crazy it was, and it, was, it is a fond memory of mine. Literally, the only fond <laughs> sports memory of my life. But there so is. Now your choice is, do you delve deeper into it, or do you keep that memory? Right, maybe I just want to, like, yeah, I mean, like, because if I ruin it, then I got no sports memories. <laughs> I got nothing. Um, yeah, you know what? I... I think I'm gonna go with uh, hot coffee. Actually, I'm yeah. I'm curious to see to the layers behind that and its ramifications on you know lawsuits and and corporations and and where that you know 
how one cup of coffee can change the world. Nice. You should have written their tagline. <laughs> All right. Um, hey, uh, email us if you have any thoughts on, on this one. Uh, it's docreviewpod at gmail.com. And uh, hey, if you would if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review on iTunes, that would be that would be extra swell. We'd love it. We'd love it. Sure. I'd we'd be your friends for life, or at least your documentary podcast <laughs> friends for life. Yeah. If you're ever in town, <laughs> I'll buy you a beer. Sure. All right. Um, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time. This is PT. Keep it real. This is Jonathan. We'll see you next week. <laughs>